Hello everyone and welcome to Enneagram Plus Yoga. This is Kat Smith and I want to introduce our guest whose interview you're about to listen to and she is very near and dear to my heart. Um, Her name is Lisa McBride and I bet a lot of you folks have met Lisa or have taken her yoga class or consider her um, your friend, but a little bit about her. So Lisa was born and raised a country girl from Jasper, Tennessee, and she has been an oncology nurse for several decades. She is one of the most seasoned yoga teachers that I have ever practiced with. She has taught for several decades. She also is an incredible fly fisherwoman, and I've had a privilege to learn fly fishing from her and with her. She is a mother of two incredible sons and a grandma to twin grandbabies. And I guess I can go on and on and on about Lisa, but I'm just going to say that I am honored to call her my friend. She's one of my closest friends um, and more like family than a friend, to be honest with y'all. The interview you're about to listen to is probably one of the most authentic that we've done so far. It's thought-provoking, it's interesting, and it is very inspiring. I know you will enjoy it. And before um, I hand it off to the interview, I want to share with you a quote. So when we were interviewing Lisa, she wanted to share this quote and we just forgot about it. So I want to share it for her uh, with you all. And it's by Frank Langella. He writes, I can't give you a recipe for success, but I can give you a recipe for failure. Try to please everyone. So with that, please go ahead and listen, enjoy. If you want to learn more about Lisa, visit our website at www.enneagramplusyoga.com and we will have her bio, her picture, and the ways for you to contact her. With that, thank you for being our listeners. We appreciate you very much. So glad you're here, and we often like to start out by talking about people's yoga story. And so I'd love to know your yoga story. How'd you start, and why'd you stay with it? Okay. So for years, uh, 35 years ago, almost 36 years ago, I started lifting weights and doing cardio after a baby, and so that was my everything. Just mm-hmm. go hard, push, push, push. Mm-hmm. And then probably 10 years later, I decided that I might want to stretch a little bit. Mm. So I had gone for a run downtown, sports barn downtown, across the river, up by GPS, around the country club, came back mm. and said, I'm going to do this little yoga class. This is going to be so silly, <laughs> but I'm going to make myself do it. And I... The teacher's name was Asha. Last mm. name escapes me. She's a physical therapist. Mm. And so it was more alignment, but also Ashtanga-driven. Mm. And when we went into a widely forward fold, I thought my legs were going to shake off. 
So it was humbling, very different, very um, much needed, the stillness and the quiet, and it was a great balance for me. Yeah. And then across time, it became more of a um, health and wellness. This is not about competition. If I don't feel it today, just don't do that. So I'd never really given myself permission to do that. So you started off kind of strength building, pushing yourself, and yoga was this place where you could slow down, soften, become more flexible. Yeah, balance mm-hmm. for me. Balance. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. Thirty-six years later. Guacamole. That's what I'm going to say to that. Yeah. So this 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 was thirty-six years ago. That you this took- was twenty. I want to say like twenty-seven. So thirty-six years ago, when I really started working out diligently with after Garrett was born Mm -hmm. but never stretched or did anything really until about 25 25 to 27 years ago yeah that's a long yoga practice wow and it's evolved Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. speaking of your yoga practice so I was fortunate enough to be in your class Mm -hmm. this morning was so happy to it see you. It was so good. I'm glad you squeezed me in. But I want to ask, and you're Enneagram Type 8, who is a leader, uh, can you talk to me about your yoga classes? How would you describe them? And if there's any characteristics of you being Enneagram 8, show up in your yoga classes. Okay, I'm pulling out my notes. I love I did it. a little homework because I, I had to it. really refresh. So here's what I'm going to briefly say. Mm-hmm. So, like I said, I don't have to go. I've learned to not have to go 100 miles an hour, mm-hmm. which is really hard for me, mm-hmm. my personality. Um, confidence as an eight mm-hmm. to lead the class. Mm-hmm. I typically have a plan, not always. Sometimes I wing it, mm-hmm. but then you show up in class and it, the plan may not be what's right for the class. Mm-hmm. So, trusting that in the confidence. Um, I think having that ability to say this isn't going to work for this group or that person needs more attention and just try to let them know they can soften as well or they can go 100 miles an hour if they want to. Mm -hmm. Individual. Um, I love to assist and part of that is I want people to feel seen and heard. Mm -hmm. That reflects back to me. If you want to push my buttons, don't listen to me and don't see me. Yeah. And I've learned that the hard way. Mm. Um, the trust part, I've also had to learn. So years and years and years, didn't trust myself. and mm-hmm. I wouldn't necessarily say made bad decisions, but not the best decisions, mm-hmm. which lead to heartbreak and mm-hmm. struggle. Mm-hmm. So that's part of that, mm-hmm. I think. Mm-hmm. Um and then I think with the aid and some of those characteristics, to be very careful about not having a student or anybody for that matter idolize me. I do not want to be put on a pedestal. I want people mm-hmm. to know that you're no better or no worse than me or anybody mm-hmm. else in here. And so that's something too I've had to learn through the way I was raised and the boundary issue and what I was taught growing up. Mm. Let me tell you what I would add to that description. A lot mm. of passion. Yeah. You talk not just about yoga, about life. 
I love that. Very empowering because I teach in the same spaces you do and I have a lot of similar students and there's students of every ability, every gender, every body type, and everybody feels at home and inclusion. Do you know what you ask every single time before class? Is anybody new here? Oh, yeah. Isn't yeah. that really difficult to be in a room with 40 people who know what the hell they're doing and you're confident and everybody seems together and you're brand freaking new. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So acknowledging them. Yeah. And again, that new person mm -hmm. is probably not sitting up quite as tall yeah. or they're not speaking to anybody. And that was one reason I did what I did this morning mm -hmm. at the close. Yeah. Look for somebody's eyes that you don't know mm -hmm. and just smile at them. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Inclusion. I would say your class also feels fun to me, which knowing that you're an eight, at least I learned that from Kat, um, it made me wonder if you have a seven wing. Because strong, a strong seven, seven wing. wing. Strong <laughs> seven wing <in laughs> Because it feels mm -hmm. fun. The music you play yeah. is fun. You have a fun personality. So I feel that in your yoga classes. Very adventurous. I've, I I doubt you remember, but even back in the day at the sports barn, when you taught there, I used to take your classes. Yeah. And so, I mean, it felt strong. It mm -hmm. was always strength building, but there's a lot of that fun spirit that I just want to acknowledge in you. Yeah, so my dad has been my biggest teacher my mm. entire life. He passed away about nine years ago. But my dad... The way he was raised, one of 16 children, very poor. Mm -hmm. But you really, I remember him saying one time, I don't sit down until I'm about to fall over. And I'm mm -hmm. kind of like, wow. And so I thought that's what you had to do. Wow. But it was also, and this was my mom too, we, we like having fun and being silly, that was too much. Yeah. This is too much. Yeah. yeah. Work yourself to death but don't have fun. Yeah. So it took me a long time to know that that was okay and you can mm. be be silly and mm. let people be silly mm -hmm. too and, you know, mm -hmm. yeah. Well, and that's, I think that's one of the interesting things that we have the opportunity to learn from our parents and keep what we want to keep that's healthy and then change the patterns that aren't. And so that pattern of being too serious that was in your yeah. mom and the hard working in your dad you can keep that work ethic without overdoing it like your dad did and then still have fun. Yeah. And I see that in you. I yeah. see that in you. So it's, that's great. It's still the, ba the balance. Mm -hmm. It's a balance. Balance. Yeah. Yeah. Well, um, so I know that you were an oncology nurse for a long time. I worked as a hospice chaplain for a long time, so I have great appreciation for that. And I just want to hear a little bit more about your time as an oncology nurse, like what you learned during that time, what lessons you carry with you from that time. And that I just want to commend anybody who's listening who works um, as a nurse because you have it have to have a big heart to do that but especially to work with people who have cancer and yeah. so mm -hmm. thank you for serving in that way and yeah. just tell me a little bit about that time and what you learned from it so I fell into it not not because of I don't know nothing profound it was um, working in the infusion 
center for a physician. Mm-hmm. So no call, no weekends, no nights. And my nice. children were young. So it was a perfect fit, outpatient mm-hmm. infusion in mm-hmm. the office. One of the first lessons I learned, I had to go do a home visit for a very young, very poor, not a good living situation mom and dad. I don't think they were married, but I can't remember. Baby came home from the hospital, so I went to do the admission. They had nothing. They had not one diaper. They had no formula. The the baby had a feeding tube, Mm. an NG tube, that they had to learn how to put in. They had absolutely no idea what they were doing. Mm-hmm. And I almost panicked. And so I just said, I'm going to go to Walmart and I'll be right back. Mm-hmm. So I was in Walmart buying all the stuff. Mm-hmm. And then I went back to their house and I taught them what to do. And then I cried all the way home thinking, mm-hmm. this poor child is not going to make it. But I had to quickly learn, and I'm sure you did too, the difference between empathy and sympathy. Mm -hmm. So you take that home with you every night, you're not going to be sustained, be able to sustain that. Mm -hmm. So to feel for the person but not be so entwined with everything. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But with oncology, I worked 29 years and I absolutely loved every moment of it. you develop that relationship because you sit down and they, they, the first doctor I walked for, worked for said, the minute they walk in the door, they're dying. Yeah. And I'm kind of like, wow, never really mm-hmm. thought about it that way. But they always have the fear of, will this come back? When will this come back? What's going to happen to yeah. me? Yeah. Yeah. But to have the relationship with people mm-hmm. all the way through their treatment, if the recurrence happens, go visit them in the hospital. I mean, I was the person that would go to their house, go to the funeral, still stay in touch, because I do not think the relationship stops mm-hmm. when you finish your treatment. Mm-hmm. It just does, I don't think right. it does. Mm-hmm. But I think you have to be vulnerable enough to let that happen. Yeah. So I loved it. I left that job because of the management, not because mm-hmm. of the patients. Mm-hmm. You just used a word there, vulnerable, and and working with people who are dying, who have cancer, it it is very vulnerable. You're in a place where they're very fragile emotionally, and so you you have to learn how to be with people in their pain, which can be hard for an eight. And so how did that teach you some things about vulnerability and how to go into your heart space in a deeper way as an eight? So I remember this man, colon cancer, he probably was like 6'4", mm-hmm. my whole point being big, mm-hmm. and he he joked all the time, and so he, he had come back and looked in the treatment room, so we had met, mm-hmm. and then the day of his first treatment, I was assigned to him, and I'm getting ready to start working on him, and he just grabbed my arm, and he said, I am so scared. Mm. And I'm just like, mm. okay, I don't know. I don't know what to do. And then, you know, like happens many times in my life, I just hear God say, sit down. Mm. Hold his hand for a minute. Mm-hmm. Mm. Prayed for him and said, just pray for him. And mm. said, let's, you know, let's do this. And then yeah. he was calm. 
and able to be okay. He did not survive. He did great through his treatment, and then when he recurred, mm-hmm. did not do well. But always appreciative. But you know, puts me in a a vulnerable spot yeah. where I I could have chosen to just pat his arm and say, "Oh, you're gonna be fine," and mm-hmm. walk away. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but you sat down with him in his in his fear and offered, yeah. you know, yourself, yeah, your hands. And then another another girl who was young, um, not a great family situation, but her mom was with her that day. Mm-hmm. And she was just scared to death. And a, a lot of times it is just get the needle in and let's mm-hmm. get started, and then they calm down. So I asked one of the other nurses to help me, and then, and then we just, the entire treatment room, we just started singing, Don't worry about a thing. Oh, everybody! That's right. Wow. And you can't you can't see Lisa right now, but her eyes are filled with tears. She's gone back to that that space um, and that sacred space. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And it's all about taking a chance, whether Mm -hmm. it's friendship with Cat, teaching a yoga class with my children, whatever Mm -hmm. it is. Mm -hmm. You can either you choose you either have the relationship or you don't. Yeah, yeah. I feel like I'm going to be crying before we're getting done here. But we're going to move to my next question, and it's a question with several parts to it. So can you talk to our listeners about what has drawn you towards the Enneagram? Mm -hmm. And then were you surprised to identify as an eight? And if there's any areas that you feel like as an eight you were able to embrace better or be proud of more or grow in okay so cat smith is who (laughs) has introduced me to this and so through my years of working with different counselors from the time my oldest son was very young with with night terrors Mm -hmm. to working with someone through my divorce. Mm -hmm. Different, I don't know what you all call them, personality tests or whatever Mm -hmm. you're doing. I feel like pigeonhole you or Mm -hmm. say this is wrong, this is... I saw it as very black and white. Yeah. I'm I'm not a black and white girl. Mm -hmm. And so with the Enneagram... Um, I think I first said to you, I think I'm a two. I, don't, I think. And you go, mm, I don't know what you said, but you didn't say no. You just said, well, let's just do this test or something. Uh-huh. And mm-hmm. so then mm-hmm. as those couple of questions, mm-hmm. and then I'm like, well, yeah, I'm, yeah, mm-hmm. I'm an eight. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there are good qualities, but then there are the things that, you know, like the control part of it. Mm. And the, let me just do it myself. And mm-hmm. those things are not necessarily attract, I'm going to say attractive, but again, it goes back to the choice. Do you mm-hmm. want to, do you want to learn from it? Mm-hmm. Do you want to change it a little bit? Do you want to polish something up? Or do you, do you only want to see your strengths? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Which would be really easy to do mm-hmm. but I feel like it's a it's been a learning experience mm-hmm. for me mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. and not 
so black and white. I don't do, I do not do well with being pushed into the corner. Yeah, and saying, you're an eight, you're and this. forevermore shall you be an eight. And, and instead, the Enneagram says, you know, this is probably your core personality. This is the personality you've lived out of, but you can integrate all nine of the numbers. And in fact, that two is still in you. That's the high side of an eight when they actually move towards the two and, and have that empathy, which I know you gained a lot of that in your work with uh, you know oncology patients and all your years as a nurse that deepened your empathy. But that the Enneagram would say that eights when they go to the high side of the two they become their healthier self so that mm-hmm. two is already in you it's a helper yeah and yeah you are a helper. and so you yeah. you already knew kind of instinctively that there was a little bit of a two in you but the eight is kind of your dominant personality but that doesn't mean that you know you have to stay in that enneagram would say but let's become more like the high side of all nine numbers yeah um and so it, it is a tool that says this is who you are, but this is who you can be. So it doesn't pigeonhole you, like you said. And yeah. I, I do love that as well. And listening to the different podcasts, too. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, to me, it's a learning tool. I'll be, I, I listen to it mainly when I'm driving. But mm-hmm. it's like, hmm, okay, mm-hmm. let me, I need to rewind that a minute. Mm-hmm. It, maybe I didn't hear that exactly right. But, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. again... I love to talk about teachable moments. Mm -hmm. So as an oncology nurse, if something happened, I would gather the little chicks, the new nurses, like, teachable moment, come over here. I do that in yoga class, too. Like, oh, it's a teachable moment. Let me, let's talk about that. So Mm -hmm. those to me, like, it's, again, do you want to grow or do you want to be stagnant? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Agreed. Well, I'm going to go on and keep asking you questions, and I, I wanted to ask those questions from you because, so now we're in our third season. Christy and I usually, when we invite people, guests to our podcast, say, well, is there anything that you're passionate about? Because, you know, we, we can talk till cows come home about everything <laughs> and anything, but we want to talk about what our guests would want to talk about. So I asked you a question, and you said boundaries. And I was completely flabbergasted. He was surprised with a capital S. And I told you that. And you said, get out of here. I said, no, for real. I am floored. So here's what my question to you is. Can you share with us what has been your struggle with boundaries? And talk more about it. And exactly what boundaries have you had trouble with? Because I would have never ever I know I'm ever. so shocked. I was shocked. Thanks, like, both of us. But Jenna said the same thing this morning. Did she really? Yeah. Okay. And you so, know she's an eight. Yeah. Huh. So I've not always been so strong willed, mm-hmm. opinionated, and confident. Mm-hmm. Um grew up super skinny. I hate when people now say you're skinny. Because mm-hmm. I equate that with weakness. Mm. So I uh, was bullied a lot. Uh, my biggest bully was my sister. Mm. We are estranged now because I finally said no more. Mm-hmm. Um, so as a young girl, mm-hmm. bullied. Uh, and then started, and so, and then also boundaries. 
with that growing up with you have to look a certain way, say the right things, don't do that. Uh, I was even thinking, you know, my, my dad, I remember him saying, I was, I think I was a junior or senior in high school, something happened with a boy and the school kind of just ignored it. And my dad said, boys will be boys. Mm. And I said, I can't believe that you think that. What if a girl did that? Well, it's different. So that I had to train. I had to relearn or learn everything mm-hmm. about that. Like that was so offensive mm-hmm. to me. Mm-hmm. So that boundary in standing up in relationships, whether it was was with a male or a girlfriend or a friend in general, mm-hmm. to not be not be bullied mm-hmm. in any way, mm-hmm. to stand mm-hmm. up for that. Mm-hmm. Um, relationships then into my 20s you know Mm -hmm. enough is enough for whatever reason I would say the the biggest boundary in my face where I did not speak up for myself um, I agreed to go to a family reunion for my with my ex-husband's family Mm -hmm. absolutely did not want to go we were in a bad place and I just did not want to go but felt because he said you need to be there mm-hmm. and so I said okay and there was an event going on in my hometown a family in the hometown where they just have they call it a family reunion but they invite all their friends and family mm-hmm. and so I really wanted to go to that but I said no um, my parents went, and then my dad died the next day. Oh. If I had said no to my gut, mm-hmm. to my then husband, mm-hmm. and gone to the Willis family reunion, I would have spent that day with my dad. Wow. I had so much hatred toward my husband mm-hmm. and his family. It was my choice, mm-hmm. and I had to look at that and say, you, you should have said no. Mm-hmm. But to keep the peace, mm-hmm. so you are used to accommodating. I accommodated, him. no matter what. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So what I learned with the counselor that I love that helped me navigate through my divorce, still things coming up and resentment, whether it be toward my sister or my ex-husband, and she said, if you resent something then you have let somebody cross a boundary. Mm-hmm. And so I have to even think about that now with mm-hmm. my children or whoever. Like, mm-hmm. Say that again for everybody because I think that's important. If you, if you resent something, then you have personally let someone cross a boundary. Mm-hmm. And so when I start getting all fired up, which I know how to do really mm-hmm. well, I've had to learn to just pause for a second and say, what is that about? Mm-hmm. Um, even if it's being asked to teach 10 yoga classes, like mm-hmm. I can still say no to that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So if I'm worn out mm-hmm. or not creative or whatever it is, like, mm-hmm. then the flip of that is why are you doing So why are you doing that? Mm-hmm. I think all those years growing up, I learned to use my assets to praise myself mm-hmm. because I wasn't getting I didn't feel I didn't love myself 
Yeah. It's taken me a minute or two. Yeah. To, and still learning. Yeah. But to figure that out. Yeah. And not pile so many things on, you know? Mm-hmm. And like you said, listen to your gut because often eights have a strong gut. And your gut had already said no, but you were so used to yeah. acquiescing yeah. to him. And it was a that. miserable time. Yeah. It was miserable. Yeah. But anyway, I had to let that one go. Yeah. When we when we do make mistakes and we say yes to something um, that can be tough and, and there's got to be some grace for ourselves. Have you been able to offer yourself that, that love and grace for that moment? Yeah, and you know, flip back to, again, my dad has so many, had so many great sayings and something happened when I was, I guess, 19. I was devastated and I remember he came in to the room where I was and just sat down on the bed beside me and he said it's not a mistake if you learn a lesson from it mm, yeah yeah and I'm 62 years old and I still remember that I love that yeah yeah he could be hard don't don't get me wrong he was he ruled he ruled yeah, you know yeah but he was um he was very educated in common sense and yeah. loving people and helping people. Yeah. I got my helping people lesson from him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Did that answer your question? Yeah, thank you. I love it. I need to make it. sure that I didn't write a note about anything else. Mm-hmm. I kind of think that was it. I love it. I'd say let's jump into the boundaries for yeah. every single number. So we usually muse. Um, go through every single nine of the numbers and use about the boundaries, what boundaries each may struggle with. And as always, I will take odds and Christy will take evens. And Lisa would chime in and provide her thoughts and opinions. If that's good. Yeah, All sounds right. great. Well, mm-hmm. let's start at the top. Um, so boundaries for one, who is our perfectionist. You could, and I, you know, <laughs> I, I can attest to this so taking time to relax and have fun not taking everything so seriously mm-hmm. is a boundary that I would say one would struggle with try not to overfunction and be responsible for others so that burden of responsibility that just just gets larger and larger and larger until it crushes you um, underneath its weight could be a difficult thing to do and not take on too much so mm-hmm. that hyper gluttony almost I can do it all mm-hmm. you know to be that octomom I call it you know mm-hmm. I will I, I will do it all and and, and it'll be fine and it, it never works mm-hmm. out that way mm-hmm. so that what would, would would be the choices that I would put for ones any thoughts ladies what do y'all think I thought it, when I read that whole thing just slow period down period, period. Mm-hmm. yeah Love that. Yeah. I would say, I've said this before in the podcast, but, you know, growing up as a child of an alcoholic, you know, and taking on that role of kind of the hero child, the helper, like I'm always going to try to clean the house and fix things, that narrative stayed with me even after I kind of 
grew up, flew away from the home, like, Mm -hmm. that I've got to be the good girl, you know, I have a strong one wing, Mm -hmm. and so that I've got to be the responsible one, that I've got to be fixing things, Um, and so there's no time for fun, you know, Mm -hmm. but yeah, fun is important, fun is part of why we're here in life, and so if I don't set boundaries to, like, go on vacation, to have fun, to go out with friends, because I can easily go into that, you know, let me do all these things for my family, let me do all these things for work. Mm-hmm. It, it's it's really easy for me to, to lose myself that way. So I have to be intentional to make time, and we're going on vacation tomorrow. So. Yeah, for you. <laughs> Yay. Yeah. I think, too, when, you, when you're talking, I'm thinking, you know, you have to do everything, Mm-hmm. Nobody's going to do it right. I'm just going to do it myself. Mm-hmm. I just see this martyr. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm just mm-hmm. like, of course. Oh, woe is me. Oh, yes. I'm mm-hmm. so busy. I sacrificed it all for you. Doing everything. Y'all did it give all shit. for you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That comes up. Yeah. For sure. All right. So let's look at the twos, boundaries for twos. And of course, like all nine numbers need boundaries, but often we talk about the two and the nine as the ones who struggle with it the most. Um, So the twos need to recognize their own needs and practice self-care and make that boundary of, I always tell my clients, like, put yourself on on the calendar every single day for those who are trying to learn a self-care practice and Mm -hmm. And I still do that, like, even though I've been a counselor for a long time, like, I still put myself on the calendar. And eventually you might not have to, but if you're trying to, like, learn that practice of self-care, that's a good tool. Um, Practice saying no to others um, is is really important for a two. Uh, Twos are big, like we've been talking about, accommodating. We're big on accommodating others. It's just so easy to say yes, and I have to, like, say things like, let me get back to you. Let me think about that so that I can find my no. Like, it, because it is very easy for me to say yes. Um, We also need to set boundaries with the tendency to kind of prove that we are worthy of love through giving lots of presents, money, time, in order to get people to like us. And, And when people are introduced to the Enneagram, they often, like, don't see that part of themselves initially. No, I don't do that. Um, and I think that was true for me as well. But the more I explored that part of myself, I realized, yep, yep, I give presents sometimes to be liked. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I don't think we always like to look at our shadow side. It's hard to admit. But, um, but you know, we've got to set some, some boundaries with that sometimes as well. Because the two can give up a lot of their precious time, you know, by um, just, you know, wanting to prove, like, you like me. Mm-hmm. I am enough. Mm-hmm. And that's mm-hmm. something for us twos to work on. So, um, th- any thoughts you guys have? Um, my thought was put this, put your schedule down. Mm-hmm. Just be spontaneous and see what happens every now and then. Just mm-hmm. take a breath, but make, mm-hmm. make time, but don't be so rigid, I guess. Yeah, I like that. Yeah. I think that's something a lot of numbers on the Enneagram were very scheduled. You know, mm-hmm. God bless the, the fours, the nines, and the fives who, mm-hmm. who aren't always quite as scheduled, mm-hmm. but a lot of the rest of us are. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah. I would add maybe a little bit of a codependency, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. for, for it too, because yeah. they're so relational, but too much of a good thing. A lot mm-hmm. of times it's not really good, so watching out for that. And also watching out for when you are helping, are you helping to feel good or are you helping to be helpful? Yeah. And I do that all that because it just feels so good. And then when they say thank you and mm-hmm. they truly mean it, it's like, oh, yes. Yeah. But then it's about me, not about them. Yeah. So it's, it's tough, and I think it can really be tricky to catch. Mm-hmm. But that, to me, would be really important for it, too. Love that. Hi, friends. That was just part one of our interview with Lisa McBride. So stay tuned because next week we will release part two. Also want to let you know that after this word from our sponsor, there will be a guided meditation. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. During this breathing meditation, let's start with hands on our heart. So one hand touching your heart and the other hand placed on the hand that is on the heart. And then find one breath in. One breath out. You are invited to take care of yourself. Find a breath in and a breath out. You are invited to find rest. Find a breath in and a breath out. You are invited to cultivate joy. Find a breath in and a breath out. Moving from the heart space to the head space with prayer hands at our head, our thumbs gently touching the forehead. Find a breath in and a breath out. You are invited to embrace mystery. Another breath in and a breath out. You are invited to live courageously. Breathing in, breathing out. You are invited to embrace boredom. Breathing in, breathing out. Moving our hands to our stomach. So this is our instinctual body center as we touch our stomach. Let's breathe in and out. You are invited to practice vulnerability. Breathing in, breathing out. You are invited 
to speak up. Breathing in, breathing out. You are invited to mess up. Breathing in, breathing out. Namaste, friends.